ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Valerie Thompson, welcome to ATV Talk. I know this is a different platform for you, and your platform is different for me as well. I want to thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Awesome. Thank you for uh, having me on your uh, podcast. I appreciate this. Well, it, it's kind of an honor. A 10-time world champion, that's that's pretty phenomenal. You've went faster than anybody else will ever go that listens to this in their lifetime. So just tell us a little bit about how did you get involved with, you know, the high-speed racing? Um, I got involved at high speed racing. I started out drag racing down Scottsdale road. Um, somebody had told me that I was out of control, take it to the racetrack. Well, I'm on my Harley Davidson fat boy, um, ended up taking it to the racetrack with a bunch of uh, friends. And I just, I had never left the racetrack since then. Um, and once I started drag racing, uh, I, I was doing the all Harley drag race association for a couple of years. And I said, you know, I want to go faster. I, I feel there's more into me. I feel like I can do more. Um, and then I started to drag race a pro stock motorcycle, um, an NHRA pro stock motorcycle. I, I bought it from George Price and, um, took his classes quite a few times. Um, he has a school in Florida in Gainesville, Florida. So I ended up doing that and, you know, that was my new passion, uh, of, you know, wanting to go faster and faster and, you know, just being in that crowd, being in the momentum and, um, and, and having those fans right there, um, on the side of you, you know, just cheering you on. And so anyways, took that, uh, NHRA drag racing. I had a short stink in it because, um, 2009, 10, 11, the economy crashed and I went right with it. <laughs> so <laughs> Many of us do. I had to re I had to reinvent myself. And I was like, you know, I've always been doing land speed racing. Um, and why not just go back to land speed racing? It's cheaper. Um, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the people there are just like NHRA drag racers. They'll give the shirt off your back. If you needed it, they'll give you your helmet you know, your gloves, whatever you might need, they'll give it to you. And, you know, they're just as great as the NHRA and the drug racing uh, atmosphere is. So started to do that and um, ended up setting five land speed records on my BMW S1000RR. And um, one thing led into another and I started to go really fast. <laughs> Opportunity came up and that's how that started. Were you always into motorcycles 
or uh, speed machines from from a young age? Um, I wasn't, but I always knew that there is this outdoor Valerie that wanted to do something different. Um, I was a different person when I was younger. I was not the normal, you know, I, um, I, I knew I always wanted, everything was a race for me when I was a kid, you know, I always wanted to be the first to do this. I want to do that. I want to hit the, the button or the switch first, you know, I still do it with my husband, you know, I hit uh, the button and um, in the elevator, you know, it's like I'm first. <laughs> right. Right. I understand. And, and that started at a young age. It's well, I started at a young age, but I never um, adapted to that. I never took that into like, this is, you know, who I am now, who I am. But um, I didn't know that I had that innerness of that, the capability of, you know, doing something so crazy. I really didn't know that I had that until I was probably 38 years old. <laughs> really? So you yeah. started late. I was a late bloomer. <laughs> I was a banker working in the banking industry. I had worked in there uh, for 13 years. I was laid off and um, I just wanted to do something different. You know, I love my banking job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I it was my favorite thing. I love people. I love chatting with them. And um, it was just fun for me. You know, I mean, I, I was doing a job, though, but I, I did every job that I had in the banking industry. I exceeded and I kept going farther and farther into it. So. Do you still do anything in the banking industry now? No, but um, <laughs> and my sponsorship is getting a little low. <laughs> so I, I, I'm juggling the pennies right now, <laughs> which well, is quite a bit different. <laughs> the machine that you have now that yeah. you were out testing, actually, you were testing when I seen your, your photos on Facebook. Oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so we just got back from a test session. Uh, we had there was a uh, USFRA uh, test session, and a couple of days uh, we got to make around four passes. So um, in in the uh, Target 550 car streamliner. So I converted from a uh, two wheels to a four wheel, and I converted to that way back in 2019. Um, started racing the car. Um, uh, just because I, there was a little episode in the motorcycle uh, department, I, I kind of had a little uh, accident. So I um, given an opportunity to go fast in anything that has wheels. I was there. So I started racing a car and it's just not a car. It's a streamliner, 43 foot long vehicle um, that weighs almost 9,000, 9,000 pounds that has not quite 5,000 horsepower, but it does have two Dodge Hemi engines supercharged. <laughs> wow. That's not all I have to say. <laughs> um, not that I want to have you relive the motorcycle incident, but did that stop your land speed racing on motorcycles permanently? I, no, it did not. It, it uh, the best thing that a racer could do or anybody that uh, has a little bit of oopsie um, is to get right back on the horse and do it again uh, and try again. So um, I crashed March 2018 at uh, 363 miles per hour on the motorcycle in Australia. And um, 
I started racing the target 550 right uh, the next year, the next following year in 2019. So a little bit different, a lot different, actually. <laughs> right. Um, it didn't take, it didn't just because of that crash. Yes. I had some, um, some things I had to work on for myself, but the best thing for me was to actually get back on the four wheels to get into four wheels. Um, I feel uh, nice and secure and safe inside there. <laughs> Is the motorcycle and the car that much difference? Really? It's a huge difference. Yeah. The, the difference, uh, I mean, they have a lot of similarities, you know, because the motorcycle is long, it's 25 feet long. And I sit in the front of the, uh, the cockpit is in the front and the motors in the back and the target car streamliner, I sit in the back. And so there's probably like another five feet behind me and that's just parachutes and fire distinguishers. And, um, and a lot of safety equipment inside my cockpit. <laughs> um, one of the things that I would like to know, they build a, like a, a fuselage or a, a capsule around you, correct? So if something correct. does go wrong, other yes. pieces break off, but yours stays intact? Well, mine stayed, well, when I, in the uh, above seven motorcycle streamliner, I stayed intact. Um, yes, there was a lot of bits and pieces that fell off and a lot of uh, things straggled down the racetrack. Um, and I slid for a mile, but it left a nice red paint <laughs> uh, down the racetrack. But, um, you know, the bike is what saved my life. The bike was made super amazing uh, by some amazing builders and, um, you know, and I had a good safety. The team was all about the safety and, you know, whatnot. So it, um, yeah, so. But it sounds like they did a great job. But they did a great job building it for the safety wise. Yes. The team and the racing team did a great job at building it for, for safety. So. In your, in your information that you sent me, one of the records, you went 328 point. Four, six, seven miles, seven miles per hour. <laughs> Is that the same machine that you that you had an accident in? Yes. Um, I set the land speed record at 328 miles per hour in Australia and um, with their event. And um, the next day is when I did crash. Were, were you just trying to beat your own record? I wasn't trying to beat the record. Uh, my record, I was trying to beat the record, which is 376 <laughs> miles per hour. Um, yeah, the, that's the motorcycle land speed record is 376 miles per hour. Rocky Robinson still holds that right now. That's incredible. Well, the reason this intrigued me so much is my dad's been involved in motorcycles his whole life. Yeah. So we have watched or been a portion, a part of just about anything that you can can do we've we've either watched it or worked on it or you know had somebody that we knew that was doing it yeah um, so we got to look at some of the old school motorcycles yeah you know, don vesco things like that and that's what intrigued me so much about your vehicle and i wanted to know i seen the pictures of your petcock yeah when it transferred from the motorcycle to the to the car are there any similarities of the controls at all 
Well, the, the biggest difference is the controls on the motorcycle is that they're F-16 uh, grips from a fighter jet plane. You know, it has the the bomb, and you know, where you would like lift up for the bomb to come out of the fighter jet. Um, it has, you know, they're just these toggle switches or toggles that you hold in your hands on each side. Um, and really what balances you is really just looking at the horizon in front of you and making sure you're straight. So it's really hard to balance that motorcycle with those um, joint, I don't remember what they're called, but they're just, they're from an F-16 fighter um, plane. And um, they're not joysticks, but they're hand controls. Their hand controls. Yes, their hand controls. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's been a while, so uh, I don't really talk too much about the motorcycle streamliner because I'm not a part of the streamliner motorcycle anymore. Um, so I was I was replaced. And, and um, so that's that's that story. <laughs> well, I mean, it happens. And and but you did set a record in it. And I did. I did. And I and I and I got to have a little bit of fun in it, and and now I'm on to bigger and better things, and now I have the front row seat to history, in a um, in a really nice, well put, great team, um, in with the Target 550. So and and the Target 550 to drive that is actually by a steering wheel. So I have a little small steering wheel. <laughs> Who sets the numbers or your target numbers for? the machine that you're going to drive? Well, the owner, he tells me that, you know, this is our goal, like in our test session. Um, when I got there, I didn't realize that the um, superchargers were taken out, but it's a test session. You know, we, we, we took them out for, for safety. We took them out for, um, so I could get acclimated to just going through my routine, you know, stopping, going and uh, pulling parachutes, you know, all my, my procedure, my procedure list. So, um, and he said, my target is 275 miles per hour. And I, I almost got that by 274 miles per hour, some change. So <laughs> that's pretty close. That's pretty close. When he told me that I needed to, in uh, 2019, he said that I needed to be at 300 miles per hour by the two around the two in order to go really fast, like 400 plus. Um, I was already at three, almost at 300 miles per hour. And the track was so bumpy that, um, the car porpoised a lot. And, um, therefore the two Dodge Chevy engines went up in a poof. <laughs> oh, wow. So be because of the rough terrain, the engines, yes, the engines became unstable and broke. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the kill switch for the engines to kill the engine wasn't working very well. So it, and, and, you know, Hey, I'm up, it's 9,000, almost 9,000 pounds. And it's, you know, and I was, you could see the video from my website, you can see how hard I was bumping, but I didn't realize that at the time um, it, it had that, that car has no suspension in it whatsoever. So it was my third pass in it. You know, I'm like, yeah, this is bumpy. <laughs> I'm going to need some Advil. <laughs> wow. That, that is incredible. Do you give any physical effects going from hundred miles an hour to 200 miles an hour to 300 miles an hour? Is there any, anything that happens to you when you go those speeds? 
No, you're, it, it, you know, I always say that the speed is the easy part and everything else is the hardest part of my job. Um, you could go straight in a fast line <laughs> very easily if you have the proper, the wind conditions, the track conditions, um, the setup, you know, the tuning, you could have everything right there, but um, the speed is the easiest part. Really? Other nature is what you really, really have to worry about. <laughs> Do like in in some forms of racing, uh, the racer and or the or the racer and the crew will will walk the track. Do you guys get to go and uh, walk the uh, salt flat or the flat area before you race on it? Well, we don't get to walk on it, but we get to drive it. Um, I'm coming up is a speed week, uh, 2022. So uh, that starts August 6th through the 12th. And um, we get after our riders meeting our drivers meeting, we get to go and drive the track. And I will tell you, it's it's not your quarter mile drag track, drag race track that you can just walk. It's, you know, a five plus mile per hour uh, track. So. Um, that's a huge difference to walk five miles. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and plus we really like when we're in the car, you gotta you gotta feel that, you know, that mother nature, that how you gotta feel how smooth the track is. It might be smoother on the right side, it might be smoother on the left side. And then after a while throughout the day, when you are racing, you know, there are some vehicles that do tear it up. There are some um spin outs that that do happen and they can create a little bit of ruts and a little bit of not so good uh things for the racetrack. But you know, all in all, just to go down the racetrack in the morning is 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 I, I look forward to it. That is that is pretty incredible stuff there. I want to go backwards here just a little bit. You talked about setting records on the BMW. Was that a conventional style motorcycle? Yes, it was a sit-on bike. Yep. Pardon, say that again? Yeah, a sit-on conventional bike, yes. A regular sit-on conventional regular bike. Regular sit-on. My top speed on that in a one-mile stop standing is 217 miles per hour. And the record for that with that style machine? Um, well, that I set a record on that. Um, it was a one mile stop standing um, track. It was at the Texas Mile, um, but I did set the land speed record um, in 2014. I want to say, don't hold me to that number, but 2014, I went 209 miles per hour um, and set, and that's how I got the uh, entry for the 200 mile per hour Red Hat uh, Bonneville Club. <laughs> And, and that's pretty amazing stuff that you have, you must have no fear of anything no, because I do. I 200, do. 200 miles an hour. You don't even know. <laughs> don't put me in water and don't make me go fast. Don't make me jump out of an airplane. Um, heights. Um, okay. I'm all right with, but um, just be careful how high it is. <laughs> okay. So, so you have the normal, the normal things. It's just, I normal. <laughs> you just like to go fast on motorcycles. That's incredible. And, um, and cars. I mean, I like anything that goes fast. I like anything that actually is powered by an engine. I like, I mean, take for instance, you know, my pickleball, my pickleball is fast. You know, it's like, okay, pickleball, if your fans don't know what pickleball is, is I started playing pickleball. 
uh, about a year ago. And um, it's like a mini tennis court. It's you could fit four pickleball courts on one tennis court. Um, and to actually put things in perspective, my pickleball court is 40 feet long. Well, my car that I race, the Target 550 Streamliner is 43 feet long. So my pickleball fans and friends get to uh, see just how long this car really is. And it puts it in great perspective. <laughs> well, let's just, I drive an F-150. It's roughly 22 feet long. Uh-huh. And you're 20 feet longer than that. <laughs> wow. That's, that's two of them together and then add a hitch to it and give a little extra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you steer something like that? Um, yeah, the steering on that is uh, you just got to stay focused. I mean, once you before you even feel that you're getting out of whack or that you're not going straight, you got to already be a, ahead of the wind you have to be like your steering has to be right on spot <laughs> right on keel sometimes my steering wheel is this way <laughs> i don't know if you see it. Okay, sometimes okay. this way when it's really it should be this way so you know and that depends on the wind and other conditions that you're having to fight that day absolutely yes wow and and, and okay because let's say we're going to go race a motocross race. If there's lightning anywhere close, they stop the race. Right. How much wind does it take before they won't let you guys run? Um, in the motorcycle streamliner, we would not run with more than three miles per hour of wind in any direction. Um, right. Yeah, we had a tailwind, I guess, fine. But um, in the car streamliner that I'm that I'm in right now is. Uh, I raced in 17, 10, 11 to 17 miles per hour of wind because, you know, you got to remember that the track is five, six miles long and every mile is a different, you know, wind speed. So um, that's why you have to be so careful when you do go down the racetrack, a motorcycle, a car, any type of vehicle, you just have to know the wind conditions at every mile. Um and so uh, 17 uh, miles per hour of wind, I was granted, I was only going barely, you know, 225 miles per hour, 250-ish, whatever. Um, and I have 9,000 pounds. So uh, it was just a simple test drive. And I'm so glad that I got to experience that wind because my steering wheel was this way. And I had never done that before. But it's just, you know, it was, it was a good test run. In, in, in other forms of race. Our, I'm sorry, our perfect condition would be a zero wind. Um, but however, if we have to race any 11 mile per hour winds, we can do that in the motors and the car streamliner. Okay. That, 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 I mean, it still seems to me like it'd be a little scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I try to, I, I like to know the wind conditions at all times. I, I do like to ask. Um, the, the, the guy that's at the front of the, uh, the official that actually gets me tied down, pulls that extra, um, on my, uh, race. Yeah. So I do like to know a little bit more when he gets there and he calls it in and says, what's oh, the one conditions for Valerie? <laughs> so. well, do you have any radio communication I while don't. you're in the car? Nope. 
it's all sign language until I leave. I give that last thumbs up and I give a nod and I'm done. <laughs> Nobody can contact me. Nobody can talk to me except for no. the engines that Dodge Hemi engines. They talk to me <laughs> and they're pretty when they're going together. I'm sure that that hum is awesome. It never, never have I experienced the two big blocks like that in sequence running. So yeah. it's almost, almost changes your heart rhythm, doesn't it? Uh, actually, you feel like your heart and the engines go together. You, there's this, like, you, know, you can just feel when it, when the first engine starts up, it's like, yeah, I feel it. Do, 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 do. And then the second one kicks in and it's like, oh, <laughs> That's incredible. I can tell by the look on your face, you get excited just thinking about it. It is, it, it is exciting, you know. It, it, I, you know, the adrenaline of those engines working and purring together is, um, you know, it's a lifetime opportunity to get to do this. But it's a really big lifetime opportunity to get down that racetrack and stop safe, and then get to it. It's pretty amazing. I want to ask another question. You mentioned your husband. Yes. How does he handle this? He's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I mean, I know that. I mean, I worry about my wife driving to work at five o'clock in the morning. So I, I can't imagine her going for a land speed record you know, at, at over 300 or 400 miles an hour, I, I think they'd have to put me in a padded room. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You, you, you know, he's so, I think he's a little bit numb to it. I mean, 12 years ago when I met him, I was already doing this, but I wasn't going as fast. I was already, I was drag racing. So, um, you know, so he's got to go with me on a lot of my, he's been with me on my journey of going fast and faster. And now I'm in the fastest lane. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's a bit nervous. <laughs> I know I'm nervous when I get to watch my friends, you know, do drag racing or I get to watch them go down the track and, you know, I'm like, <gasps> You know, my palms get sweaty and I start my my heart feels, you know, what they're feeling. So, I mean, I'm sure that he does. He just he's not a good talker and he doesn't communicate very well on how he really feels. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's better you don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, was he with you in Australia? He was. Yes. And, and actually what I said to him when. I mean, in Australia, he's a very um, tanned uh, man. And so he he has a great suntan. And when he did come up to me uh, when I was still laying on my side inside the cockpit, I did say to him, I said uh, he was when it was OK for him to come. He said that um, I said to him, why is your face so white? And I go, why are you so white? That's the first thing I said to him. I didn't say anything else. You know, he just came to me and go, sweetheart, why is your face so white? <laughs> well, I can understand why his face was white. Yes, I can too. <laughs> that That's incredible. Um, he must be a very strong man to, uh, to, to be a part of that and, and be able to um, relate to it mm-hmm. to a point or, or just watch because 
it's heart stopping. I mean, and if you go 550 miles an hour, I don't want to. I don't want to go that fast. I want to go 470 plus miles per hour so I can set that land speed record and I can retire so I can play pickleball and I can travel all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I take my, it, that's my words. That's my, your goal. My that's my goal. I want to be a I want to be a senior pro pickleball uh, player and uh, being senior is anything over 50. Really. Yeah. Okay. All right. right. Ish. <laughs> Ish. Okay. I'm not even going to go there. All right. Thank you. <laughs> do Do you when you're driving the the, the car down the the track or the motorcycle, that blue line that I see in the sand yes. or in the dirt of that blue line is that how you navigate? Yep, that's how I uh, I use that as my reference point um, to go straight down the racetrack. It gives me a great, if they say stay on the right side of the lane or the, the, the right side of the blue or the left side or, you know, um, stay close to the cones, you know, or on the side side. I, I don't like to be over there, but if I have to, I will. <laughs> so you're not using the line in the center of the vehicle. You have a uh, uh, I like to ride to on the, the right side of, of the pardon. I like to ride a uh, race down the right side of it because I will always end up in the middle somehow. <laughs> and when and then when I know that I am crossing that middle uh, off to the left, then I really know where I'm at on the racetrack. It just gives me a really a good sense of where I'm at um, on the racetrack. And you know, every mile is a quarter mile is marked and so they have big one mile two mile flags three mile all the way to the five mile they have those flags so you're always you're always knowing where you are in reference yes. to the finish absolutely well that's really really important <laughs> if you take your eyes you blink you uh boy that's the biggest thing for uh for racers that are racing this long stream streamliners and or bikes, you know, for that case, anybody that goes down to that racetrack really needs to focus on and use their peripheral where uh, you are on the racetrack. hundred percent. I have once missed my shutoff time before, and I kept riding and full throttle with my bike. And it was when I first started. And I said, I'll never do that again because at the end of the racetrack, it is very bumpy. Just one second, real. Um, I have to give the keys to my car so my husband can go get some food for later. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, okay, I'm back. When you missed your shutoff point, yes, and it got bumpy. Yeah, you instantly uh, know that you made a, that you made a mistake. Oh, I knew big time right then and there. I find the light went off. It was like Motel Six. <laughs> the light was on for me, and you know the funny thing was is not the funny thing, but the starters. Uh, not, I mean, at the end of the track, there's um, people at every mile, and so they were waving their hands and. And I saw them. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I thought they were maybe just cheering me on. But oh, no, they were trying to tell me to stop because <laughs> I saw that I was still on the throttle. And so when I 
got into the bumpy area um, is when I said, oh, shoot, I needed to stop. (laughs) Were you in on a conventional bike at that point or I was was on a V-Ride? Yes, I was going 153 miles per hour on that (laughs) V-Ride. And and how did you get it stopped? Oh, I got it stopped. Uh, It wasn't um, a nice ending stop, but I did not, you know, tip the bike over or anything like that. It was just really rough. I walked away with quite a few bruises on my inner thighs and my knees. And um, I I believe on my side, my elbows, I had some bruising. So I I haven't done that ever since that that'll like uh, humble you in a minute. (laughs) Do you get penalized for making mistakes like that? or anything like that? Or do they, or do they just warn you later or something? Well, that you don't get penalized. Uh, you know, you might get penalized. You might get a little black sticker on your vehicle. If you do that again, uh, you know, or if you do it two or three times, I, I would assume. Um, but yeah. What does that sticker mean? The black, the, you know, it's, it's what you can't get on the racetrack. They won't let you on the racetrack. It's like, you know, do do not enter, do not come to the racetrack beginning (laughs) um, to the front row. Uh, Don't don't come. If you're not welcome, you are black flagged. You're black flagged. You're done. But you you, you do. You you know, it's uh, yeah. Do they do they let you come back at another date, you know? Um, or are you done forever? I, I, I don't know. Cause I've never been in that situation. I do know that when you do spin outs on cars or bikes or you do crash or whatever, they do, um, want you to go down the racetrack stop safely again. I, I think they really scrutinize your uh, stop safety. <laughs> okay. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I, you know, that I have, um, known um, drivers to get a little black little thing because they did a spin out on a vehicle. I, I don't know really what the rules are for the motorcycles. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. All right. Because I never got it. So I, I just got a little hand slap and. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't do that again. Don't do that again. Did you, did you run later on in that weekend? Uh, did you get to ride the, ride down the, the track again? Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, it was when I first started, it was just so long ago. I, I don't remember if I did or not, um, you know. <laughs> but you just did when you went back every time? I just knew that I was not doing the right thing. And when you know that, you just know not to do it again. Right, exactly. Is there a reason why they don't let you have communication? Oh, you can have communication easily. I mean, but then again, you know, when you're out there five to 10 miles out there, I mean, you have to have the best equipment for that. You have to have, well, you know, equipment that's going to last five miles. I mean, if you're in a CV, you know, or not in a CV, but if you're in a walkie talkie, the range is only so far. What what I was talking about is is or what I was meaning by that is um, almost somebody to to give you stats as you were going down the track. I mean, I know where I, I know where that mile per hour is. I know. <laughs> Excellent. And, and, and the thing is, is that I try not to focus on that at all. Um, what I do try to focus on is keeping that machine safe, um, straight, and stop. You know, I mean, you know, the G-force to stop 
uh, such a vehicle and, uh, to stop you know, almost you know, 9,000 pounds. It's technically 8,740 pounds plus me. <laughs> okay. So, um, you... To, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. No, you're fine. I wanted to ask the question when you pull the button for the sh- or push the button for the shoot, you were mm-hmm. talking about the G force. What is that? Well, and the G force that I had uh, in my last test session, when I only went 274 miles per hour, it was 1.8 G's. So if you take that and times it by two, you'll probably have a really good number. <laughs> well over the 3.5s. How does that affect you? Um, well, I know that I'm expecting it. I know that it's coming, but you're never prepared for it. it there, I mean, the preparation for that G-force is, um, it's not an everyday thing. You get the feel. It's, you know, it's just once, I mean, I've only had it a few times in my life. <laughs> okay. So, so you know that it's going to come, you know that you're going to have so. it. Does it give does get a little hairy in the back end, especially with wind um, gets a little hairy uh, and the car tends to, you know, it tends to move around kind of like a little fish going through the water. It gets a little taily. It gets a little sideways, not sideways, but it gets just a little movement in the back like a fish would do when he goes through the water. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Uh, you know, a motorcycle in the dirt. At high speed, the, the rear end shimmies. Mm-hmm. Okay, it shimmies. I like that word. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to steal your word. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I want to write that down. I got a shimmy. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when you pull the chute and you feel those Gs, do, do you have any physical effects from it? Um, no. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it hurt. It doesn't hurt, but it, 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 you know, you have a feeling because your whole body I and mean, everything goes forward. Um, I'm so strapped in there so well that there's not a, little, a lot of room to wiggle. Do they strap your helmet in as well? So that um, my helmet is attached to my Hans device and, um, and, and that's it. Um, I mean, I can't look to the right or to the left, but there's no reason for me to look that way. I just have to look straight. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the five prong um, harness that I have that's in there. And my arms are also uh, attached to wrist restraint to my restraint, my five prong restraint. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's normal in most things because if something were to happen, they want yeah. you to stay inside. Yep. When you crash, anytime you do, I was always told put your hands on your chest or close to your heart and don't let it go. And I did that when I did crash. Parachutes and and your heart and your hands right here because you you can you can just squeeze yourself so so well. You, this way, you can't bring it back in. When you know you're going down, just take your hands off the steering wheel. Even when you watch the NASCAR people, I mean, they literally take their hands off the steering wheel. You're going to, your wrists are going to break <laughs> if they kept on it. You know, they just take it off. And if right. you watch a NASCAR, they have that little stripe on their steering wheel. So they know where the, the wheels are pointed, that where the steering wheel is actually going. That's true. And, and do you have any devices like that on your steering wheel? 
it yeah. won't go, but just it, it, it has maybe a three degree left. turn in, it has maybe a, a three degree turn radiance. <laughs> That's incredible. There is no turn that car around. <laughs> what we do is we we jack it up and if when we do our return run, we'll uh, in an FIA um, a sanctioned event, we will put it up on a lazy Susan. We will turn the car, we'll lift it up, put on lazy Susan, and we will turn the car around at the end of the racetrack, and then we will service the car <laughs> and then go from there. So you 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 service the car down there, and you do you we race would, yeah. it back? Yeah, well, we would have to race it back. Yeah, because you have to have a two, um, you know, and if I am for a, a world record, you have to have two-way um, average. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So you got to go down. SETA has their own rules. So SETA, you go down the racetrack <laughs> and, uh, you know, like in my class, um, the Speed Demons, they went down the racetrack. They, they went really, really fast. And then the next, then they go to impound. They sit in impound. They get to work on their machine for X, Y, Z hours. And then they get to come back in the morning. They get to go down the racetrack, same direction. Um, but you have to set the record in the same mile that you uh, attempted the record, uh, that you got qualified for the record in that mile. So if you set a record at the four to the five, you have to continue the four to five. If you're faster in the two to the three, it doesn't qualify you. It, it won't back up the record. That could get confusing, couldn't it? It does. There's a lot of rules. <laughs> that, that, so if you do too good on your second run, that's bad. If you go to the two to three and you were really fast, yeah, yeah, you have that 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 run is disqualified because what they do is they take the four to the five. When I say the four to the five, that means the four mile to the five mile and exit five mile. Um, so that's where you have to focus on setting the record in the four to the five, if that's the case. Really, kind of confused you. I hope. No, I yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And I just try to get my bearings because I want to be able to to ask. You know, questions yeah. that don't make me so. If like you set a record and, and and you qualified for a record in the two mile to the three mile, well, you tomorrow the next day you have to set a record. You have to be just as fast or faster in the two to the three on the next day. You okay. can't just set a record for an average. This is a little bit different on SC. I Southern California Timing Association is different from the one mile measured in a. AMA, FIM, FIA record attempt. I understand. I understand that. Do you start your run before you get to the first mile? How how fast are you going when you go through the first mile marker? Well, I have a push truck that pushes me up to 25 miles per hour um, to get me going because I do have really long gears in the Target 550 streamliner. So... Once I get over 25 miles per hour, I put it in for, you know, it's in first gear and I'm on the throttle and I finesse that throttle. I don't get on it like it drags, like I'm drag racing. So I don't want to, you know, like the tires up. Tires. I don't want to crinkle up the tires like Tony Schumacher does. Or right, right. I understand that. That, 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 that. You know, shrivels that tire and gets that effect. We don't do that. But but what's your speed 
when you go through the first mile marker? So um, my, well, let me just, I don't know what, what we gear for, like for the first mile, um, the first, not for the first mile, but I'll just talk about my gears, you know, like I have four gears. So my first gear is I, I shift into second, it would be about 205 miles per hour. This is a top speed for a 400 mile per hour run. So I would be in first gear at 200 ish. Um, second gear would be 255 ish. <laughs> Third gear would be around 320, and the fourth gear would be over, you know, 470 plus. That's incredible. And and so you know if it's pulling right and you're shifting right, you already know how fast you're going. Yes. Oh, I have a mile per hour, uh, on my, uh, on the streamliner too, as well. And I have a little Garmin little thing that comes with me and I attach it Velcro it to the side of the, inside the cockpit. And I take a little look at it <laughs> when I'm at the end of this, when I'm at the end and I'm, I've done all my duties, I've turned off the race pack, I've turned off the cooler and I've, I've done everything and I've un, uh, unlatched me. I, I, I do take a peek at it. <laughs> And sometimes I don't even, sometimes I forget that it's there and I'm like, I'm waiting for the time slip. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me how fast I went. Right. And, and even if you look at your GPS, you still have to wait for the time slip. because I still have to wait. Yeah. We don't go by what we um, have inside uh, on our data. We go by the time slip. The time slip is always right. And that's the number. Um, and that's the number that matters in racing is <laughs> a time slip. Do you have a uh, an indicator on the car that, that reads the electronics so that that's where they measure it measure it from? Like um, on the outside of the car, they'll have um, two pickups, and as you go through the scanner, that's that it, it picks up your speed through there. Is that is that how they do it? Well, I know that race pack. Uh, oh, sorry, I know that the race pack uh, data and. Um, picks up everything of where I'm at on, on the racetrack, you know, if I was full throttle. Um, so that's all behind the scenes of the computer stuff. <laughs> right. So there's a, they have a link to it somehow that they're keeping track. Oh, yeah. of. They, they keep track of me. Yep. That that's, that's in very, very duties, intriguing. In my driving duties, they said, uh, we noticed that you're not lifting as you, before you shift. And I was like, Oh, Oops, I <laughs> didn't know I had to, but it wasn't in my paperwork and I missed it. And so next time I'm going to do better and I'm going to lift before I shift. <laughs> so they, they monitor everything then. Oh yeah. They, they, they know what I'm doing. I cannot lie. <laughs> That's one thing with that race pad data. The system is that the computer is always right. <laughs> Do it's like have, on a keyboard. It's like it's like your computer and a keyboard. Yep. Um, the person that kind of messes up things is from the heart to the keyboard, and that's these. <laughs> right, right. It's not it's, the keyboard. It's, it's the driver. It's the person. It's the distance between the heart and the keyboard, and that's yep. only me. <laughs> Do you get simulation classes? or simulation time at all? I, no, I don't. And I would love the opportunity. I welcome the opportunity that there's any of your fans or viewers out there, listeners, 
that are listening up, if they have a such device or such thing, I would really love to be a part of that program. That would help so much, wouldn't it? Oh, it would help. Yeah. I mean, you know, these NASCAR people, I say these NASCAR, I say it in a good way, but I mean, they get to, you know, they get to practice and sit in the, the, the chair and they get to, you know, go through the motions of their racetrack and, you know, and um, it would just be nice if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. It would be great to, to take a vehicle that you've never, never driven and mm-hmm. be able to simulate it so that when it came time, you'd have a better idea of, you know, letting off and shifting or, or what you need to do to get that machine to that top speed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the other thing is that this car streamliner does not touch ground unless if it's in a photo shoot or if it's going down the racetrack. So it's not like I can just go down a racetrack or I could take it to El Mirage or I could take it to a drag strip. I don't ever get that time to be one with that vehicle. I go down that racetrack, the team prepares the car, I go down the racetrack, and that is my only time to prepare, to even practice. And I get a lot of questions, well, how do you practice? But everything is, you know, drag racing or just racing is 90% mental. So you gotta know what you're doing, you gotta go through your checklist, and you gotta have it memorized, and you have to remember, you gotta know where everything's at if you, um, like say for instance, there's a fire and you turn the, the fire uh, switch on and you get blasted with everything and you got to know where the hands, the, the, the controls are at with your eyes closed. Do they, do they test you on this or you do it yourself? I do it myself when I go through my routine and I'm in the cockpit. Um, I do that. And sometimes I'll have one of my team members say, hey, um, you know, give me, ask me some questions and I'll close my eyes with my helmet on and my gloves. So I get the true feel of what it feels like. So, you know, parachute, boom, you know, um, switches, toggle switches, um, fire, shut off. You know, I have three of them. I have one for me inside. I have one for Orville, which is one engine. I have one for Wilbur, which is another engine. <laughs> so they are named properly. Okay. Wilbur and Orville. <laughs> That's excellent. I like the fact that you focus so much on what you need to do inside the pit, the, the pit cock. That's so important. Yeah, especially with no practice. Yeah. And I get to practice when I'm inside the cockpit. I practice in real time. So when I shift, I go through the the slowness and the timing of when I feel that I need to shift again. Yes, I have a shift button and I shift at 6,000 to 6,500 RPMs, but you also cannot hurry up your routine. If you hurry up your routine, you're going to short shift. You know, and that's going to kill the engine. It's going to take a little, it's going to bog the engine down. It's going to take a lot longer to get up to full capacity of your speed. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, you got to do it in real time. When you practice routines, practice it in real time. So when you go to this, this uh, meet that's coming up in August, how many passes do you think you'll get to make? Maybe four. 
That's it's it. going to be so busy. Speed Week is our biggest event of the entire year. It's like it's like going to the Grammys. It's like or going to a Super Bowl or watching Tiger Woods at a main event. It is the biggest event that we have. Um, and, you know, I don't know what the participation uh, list is like, um, how many entries there are, but um, I would say we probably will get maybe four to five runs if we're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I figured that you'd be able to get a, at least a couple more. And, and from the moment you do your first run, you are now setting pace for yeah. your your, your record in the way you described it, you know, through the mild mile marker range that you're trying to set a record for. So like yes. if it's between the four and five from day run one, you better be there. I better be there. I better be right there. Johnny on the spot and be fast. <laughs> wow. That, that seems like a little bit of pressure. It, it doesn't seem like it phases you much. But you can't you can't be pressured, you know, when you are racing and, and you just have, you have to run your own race. You have to be one with the vehicle and you have to listen to your vehicle. You have to, like, you know, you just listen and go with your instincts, gut instincts. And if something is wrong that you're not something doesn't feel right. Hey, shut it off. There's always the next pass. There's always the next time that you can turn that car around and go back down the racetrack. So if you feel a vibration or something that, that just maybe the engine doesn't feel right. Yeah. You can turn it off and. Mm -hmm. I haven't yet felt anything, even though I did blow up two Dodge Hemi engines. Um, but it was such a peaceful, like, poof. it wasn't even a poof. It was just like, there was no power. It just went dead, you know? Um, and I didn't realize that I was, you know, being porpoised um, because the car is so bumpy in the first place. So being bumpy and being porpoising. <laughs> um, yeah, if you felt that again, would you know? Uh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I would shut it off no matter what. I don't care what it is. I, I have to shut it off. That's that's yeah. incredible stuff right there. I um, need to save those engines and I need to go back again. You know, I need I need more seat time. And that's what we're doing is. And that's the main reason why they took off the superchargers uh, to give me seat time to um, let me feel what the throttle feels like. And the hard throttle. It's not an easy throttle like a car. It's it's more horsepower. You got I swear that the throttles. It's hard. <laughs> Well, that's, I don't know what kind of uh, mechanics they run in there to, to make it so difficult, but I guess they want to make it positive so that you're, you know, exactly where you are. Yep. I want to ask you this question, beings that you can stay so calm and focused in the petcock of that race car, does that roll over into your everyday business life of, of how you manage whatever it is you do for a living? Nope. <laughs> it doesn't even do that in my pickleball tournaments i play in pickleball tournaments tournaments i'm more nervous in a tournament than i am in a race car going 300 plus miles per hour i am so nervous i i there is no room for errors in racing 
And that same rule applied I've taken from racing to pickleball. There's no room for an error in pickleball, but I've been so hard on myself and I want to win, win, win. And I want to be the, you know, the best of my, in my age bracket and my bracket that I can be that there are room for errors in pickleball. It is okay to make an error in racing. There is not. So it's really hard to transition to the two sports into, okay, I can make an error. <laughs> but what about your, your business life? Are you hard on yourself there too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I things that would like, I, I have a few things of emails that I said I have to get to and it just like naps on me. <laughs> just uh. So, so, so you have the same tendencies in your personal life that you do on the racetrack. Yes. Focus and tenacity is what it sounds like. It does. It is. I don't want to, I don't want to be your adversary. That's for sure. It's okay. <laughs> I don't think I want to play you in pickleball either, even though I don't know how to play. You should. Tony Schumacher played pickleball with me. Uh, was he on your team or was he against you? He was against me. We played singles. <laughs> Did you beat him? Well, we weren't keeping score that time, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can beat him next. I can beat him now. I, I really want to do a tournament with him when he's done doing his drag, when he's, uh, you know, drag, when he's done drag racing or if he has some in-between time. I really would love to do a tournament with him. It'd be fun. And I would fly to uh, Texas to, to do that or whatever state there was. It'd be a great, uh, great, nice little fun thing. That is so incredibly His awesome. His wife is awesome too. And she, she's, she plays a little bit, but um, you know, it, it's not her jam, but you know, it, it, you know, it's like, like the firemen, they're even playing pickleball in their, in, in their quarters. So, you know, it's like, everybody's playing pickleball. Larry Fitzgerald plays pickleball. Uh, the swimmer, Michael, Michael Phillips, he plays pickleball. <laughs> I'm going to have to look at this place. Pickleball. <laughs> I'll have to look at pickleball. Sorry, pickleball is a fast pace and it's the world's fastest growing sport in the world. And it will soon be in the Olympics. Give it a few more years or maybe even less than that. It's already being accepted and they're doing a, uh, a rally with it um, somewhere in one of the Olympics. Um, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to, it's taking over tennis. So watch out tennis players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I was a former tennis player and then I got ended up getting bad knees from that motorcycle crash. So um, I have to take it easy. <laughs> well, I wish you luck. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And I hope that you'll message us back and tell us how you did it I will. Speed week so yeah. that I can uh, make sure that we post it to the, to the fans and let everybody know. We um, have to. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I want you to hit your mark. I really do. Yes. I would love to retire at 470 something plus and set a record. <laughs> well, I didn't necessarily want you to retire, but I want you to hit your mark. I want to. <laughs> I say that because I always promised my husband when we first met, I said I would, uh, I'll retire at 200 miles per hour. And that didn't work out so well. And then I said 300. Well, that didn't work out so well. I say 400. And that doesn't work out so well. And now I say 470 plus. I said 450, but I really mean 470 because in order to 
retire, I have to break the record of 470 plus plus miles per hour. And if you break that record, are you going to retire for sure? Yes. Okay. I would love to, but even if I don't, and, and I still, you know, it, the speed is the speed, you know, it's okay. I've already done my time. I've proven who I am. Uh, I've, I've been doing this for 17 years, 18, 18 years. I don't have anything else to prove on that racetrack. And you know what, you might as well, you got to get out when the, when the, um, when the engine's hot, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, I would love to race as long as I can, but um, you know, I, I'm having fun at it. And I still have fun. And it, it is, uh, you know, being 55 years old and I, and I know you didn't ask me, but being 55 years old and still racing is, is, you know, it's a great opportunity to, um, see what more I can do, but also another opportunity to see what I can do on the pickleball court. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause you, you're still an athlete and you're still in shape. It gives me a second chance to re to reinvent myself. And it gives me a second chance to be an, another, a different athlete. I mean, this pickleball takes a lot of toll on my body more than it does on my racing. But the thing that I love about it is it gets me in race mode. It gets me so fired up. I, I, I get on that pickleball court and I say, be fierce. And I said, fight, you know, we got to fight for this point. And I got to fight for that mile per hour. I got to fight. I got to be fierce when I'm in that streamliner. You know, I got to be a fierce person. I got to like, focus. <laughs> I think that's laser focus. And I laser focus on both the court and on the racetrack. So I love those two things that they, they um, complement each other. And I compliment them. <laughs> and I really, really appreciate the fact that you uh, came and spent some time with us um, here on ATV Talk. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the time. And, and it's been a fun interview. And thank you for getting well, I hope to, it was a better conversation. Thank you for getting to know the real Valerie. <laughs> the team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.